Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Caproletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And we're here today to talk to you about the 2018 film Bad Tudor. We picked this one because it has a doozy of an opening. Does it ever? It really gets you right from the jump. We were trying to go through our our back catalog of movies that we've always wanted to talk about. And we were comparing this to another one. And when you compare openings, this one just jumps out at you. Yeah, if we talk... <laughs> oh, does it ever? Oh, there you go. I mean, if you talk about the 10-minute rule, as we sometimes do, yes. in terms of getting enough action in those opening few minutes, uh, this one certainly fits the bill. This one, I think, passed the 90-second rule. Yes. <laughs> so... The movie opens with Devin proposing to Alexis, and she says no, she's not ready. This is all taking place on a seaside cliff. Yeah. Which they've hiked to. It seems like she is going off to college. Yes, and it seems like he is not mm-hmm. going to college at all Right from the things he's saying. Because he basically offers to follow her there and get whatever job he needs to to be with her. Yeah. And she says, she's not ready. She doesn't think that they should, et cetera, et cetera. Basically dumping him. Mm-hmm. And he was proposing to her. So that's... It's a reversal of fortune. <laughs> we're not on the same page here. So he grabs her by the shoulders And you think he's going to like go in for a kiss or like plead to her face. But no, he whoosh pushes her off the cliff. (laughs) And she dies, of course, because that's what would actually happen. Now, keep that in mind for later when we're talking. But that's what would actually happen if someone falls on their back 100 feet. Yeah. There's no way around it. But sometimes you make a way around it to leave a door open for a sequel. This is true. And then because this movie was, not to spoil anything, but this movie was directed by Jeff Hare, who's directed some of our greats. (laughs) We transition with jaunty ukulele music. (laughs) Why? Someone has just died? No clue. Silly as all can be, but works so that i guess it isn't that ukulele version of somewhere over the rainbow so no <laughs> although that would be an interesting direction to take it in. i mean i think jaunty ukulele music is always an interesting direction to take it in but <laughs> that's just me so we see Devin at a coffee shop and he's observing a woman and her daughter talking and the daughter is getting a the daughter's named emily Yes. We never really get into the mom's name. Her name is Kelly. Okay. Well, Matt knows it. I didn't pick her No, so I'm sorry. Carrie. I think it's Carrie Armstrong. Okay. Well, no one cares. She's the dentist. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That's important. Uh, Here's them talking, and the daughter, Emily, is getting a D in chemistry. And so the mom has hired an old lady tutor. And I'm just going to... I'm not going to get into it too much. We made the 
reckless decision of only watching this movie once, Mm. so you will not get as much minutia from me. (laughs) But I will point out that That the daughter... (laughs) The daughter... Well, you'll, you won't get as much minutiae in terms of costuming and, and their their sure. home and all of that. You'll get minutiae in terms of the plot. But the daughter is dressed like she's going to get coffee at Coachella. <laughs> she's wearing like a tank top or something in Daisy Dukes and then one of those long, you know, Stevie Nixie caftans, which feels like how a teenager dresses to yeah. me. It's California too, so it feels appropriate. But what is not appropriate is that the mom, who's played by Vanessa Marcel, mm-hmm. who I'm mentioning her name and no one else's because she's the famous person in this movie. She's a beautiful woman. I mean, truly beautiful. And they have her throughout the movie, which takes place in a suburb of San Diego, wearing sundresses and black tights. I was utterly confounded every time I saw her wearing those tights. They were like opaque black, dead of winter, New York City walking around tights. They were not San Diego tights. I don't know if this is true always. We've only been to San Diego once. We've talked about San Diego on this podcast multiple times now, though, I think. It was in May when we went. It was May. So granted, this could have been December. It was certainly during the school year, so we know that. But the time I was in San Diego, I was wearing a sundress and I got scorched. Yes. Absolutely scorched. At the San Diego Zoo. At the San Diego Zoo. Was it worth it? Of course it was. But I was wearing SPF 100, as I always do. (laughs) I always keep it SPF 100. (laughs) But like a pale yellow sundress... And black, opaque, winter tights feels like your outfit is not communicating to itself. Like it feels bifurcated to me. You know, (laughs) the top of you is is hanging out in San Diego. The bottom of you is walking around in New York in the slush. So the top is drinking Mai Tais with laid back back? You'd hope. You'd hope. (laughs) Get on it, Jeff Hale. (laughs) And I only mention that she's beautiful because, as I've said before... It's not the most uh, feminist take on anything. It's not probably not healthy or productive for the actors. But if you have an attractive body, I want you to get that body to the people. Like, I want to see that. (laughs) She's got great legs. Get those gams out. I don't want them covered in tights. And I'm sure what actually happened was the costume designer put together outfits and then the actresses were like, we're freezing. They probably were not filming in San Diego. And so they were like, we're freezing out here. Can you please help us? And she was like, oh no, I've already bought all these clothes or sewn them or however these costumers do it. I'm buying a pair of tights and we are calling it a day. This is a made, you know, I'm, that's just my guess, but it was confusing. Okay. We said we weren't getting into minutia and I've spent 10 minutes on Vanessa Marcel's legs. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) <laughs> then we uh, find out that Devin works in a chemistry lab. Now, this is one of the few times a lifetime person actually has a concrete reason why they should know chemistry yes. to the degree that they do. Mm-hmm. Normally, their expertise in chemistry is not explained. It's just assumed that everyone and an event has, planner. Yeah, everyone has a working knowledge of chloroform. <laughs> but in this one, it's actually explained. He works in a lab. 
I want to point out this lab. So he's working in the lab. He's snooping around because apparently it's an incredibly lax lab. It's run by like Elizabeth Holmes or something. (laughs) And it is so dark. It looks like the blame it on the alcohol music video from like 15 (laughs) years ago. It's very dark and there's like blue up lighting. It looks like a nightclub. It was very weird. I'm pretty sure well-run labs, not that this one was well-run because he's stealing stuff from it and getting away with it, but well-run labs, I think, are probably quite bright inside, wouldn't you assume? I think so, yeah. Well-lit is my assumption. It's like the first thing I think of when I think of medical facilities. I mean, hospitals are often oppressively brightly lit. Yes. (laughs) So he's stealing things for his next... Ruse? I don't know. (laughs) Caper? Caper. He, of course, poisons the coffee of the tutor, the old lady tutor that Carrie, Karen, whatever. Yeah, he sneaks into her house. Yeah. But in an odd twist for a Lifetime movie, he doesn't kill her outright. He just makes it, he poisons her so that when she shows up to Emily and Vanessa Marcel's house, she seems drunk. Yeah. And so she knocks over the garbage can with her car. With her car. And so the mom fires her on the spot. Yeah. Uh, I believe Emily says, nice job, mom. I can really feel that, eh? So then Devin makes an emergency appointment with... Can we just pick a name for her? Is it Carrie or Karen? Let's yeah, call her Carrie. It's Carrie. Okay, I, I so, I wrote down so Carrie. Devin... That's fine. I don't really care. Don't bother. Please don't look this up. You're going to ruin trivia for yourself. Please don't look this up. Um, So we're calling her Carrie. So he calls Carrie's office to make an emergency appointment with her because she's a dentist. Yeah. She only has emergency appointments available. So he says his tooth is cracked and makes that emergency appointment for that day. And then he proceeds... Oh, <laughs> you get to tell it. He proceeds to give himself the cracked tooth by opening a beer bottle with his teeth. Mm-hmm. It looks gruesome as heck to see him just chomp down on this beer bottle Actually, and try to open it. I would like I would like to correct. I don't think he opens the beer bottle with his teeth. I think he bites down on the glass with oh, his teeth. Yeah. It didn't not it, didn't, yeah, it seemed like he was getting into the neck of the beer. You're bottle. right. I kinda tried to look away. It um, was <laughs> Yes, it was one of the more grotesque things we've seen. I mean kudos to all you out there who have ever tried to open a beer bottle with your teeth and succeeded, but just seems hazardous. No kudos. <laughs> Take care of your teeth. You're gonna live to be like probably seventy plus. You want those teeth. You yeah. want them. Do you want to have a steak when you're sixty five? Then stop opening beer bottles with your teeth. But I don't think we actually know anyone who's as opposed to a pouch of steak. I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is opening beer bottles with their teeth. It, just guessing. That's a safe bet. What I want to know is, does Devin or the actor playing him do his own stunts? So at this emergency dental appointment, he tells Carrie that he's a tutor and he yep. says he he's because he's wearing his his uh, chem lab t-shirt yes. or polo rather yes you would so that she'd know you're a chemist mm-hmm. and he mentions that with his students he uses flashcards and outlines revolutionary <laughs> procedures for a tutor things she couldn't do on her own he describes them he has as outline he says I have all kinds of tricks yeah <laughs> what a preface 
you know, mead has been in business for about a hundred thousand years, but sure, your flashcards are better than anyone else's flashcards. Not sponsored by mead. <laughs> Would love to be. Spend so much money on composition books. supplies every year. It's almost back to school time, kids. Yes. And he gives her a business card. Yeah. How does he have that business card already? It's impressive. Vistaprint? I guess. And we're shown the business card. Mm -hmm. So someone in the graphic design department was like really proud of having made that card. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They cranked that out. They like, they zoomed in on it. Yeah. And we don't typically get a zoom in on business cards. So I think they must have been really proud of their design or something. Yeah. Patrick Bateman would have been envious. (laughs) No, he wouldn't. It was such a... (laughs) No, the fonts were all askew. And it was a multicolor design. He would not have cared for that one bit. His business card was like black and Ghostbuster green. Yes. So then we're subjected to the daughter's music. How are we ever? And I mean that. I mean that. Throughout the movie, we are subjected to the daughter's music. I want a lifetime ripped from the headlines movie about that crime. (laughs) The musical crime? (laughs) The musical crime of forcing audience members to sit and listen to this... Schlock? No, that's generous. (laughs) It sounds like you've dunked a cat in water. It's a little mellow for a high school garage band. It filled me with a rage. (laughs) <laughs> that I don't think anything should be able to do. <laughs> Who would play us in that rip from the headlines movie <laughs> about the crime of making us watch? Just something to think on, you know? <laughs> also in this scene, one of the band members says butthurt, and I'm I'm making a plea here. Stop saying butthurt. Never, if you've ever said it, just don't ever again. Just say hurt. It means the same thing. No, I don't well, think it does. Well, it doesn't have the homophobia just well, woven through it. Sure. Hurt yeah, yeah. doesn't, you know. <laughs> but it also is a gross thing to say. It's Cause gross. Because the, the guy was talking about his mom. His mom. Uh, it was, yeah. He was saying that his mom uh, wanted to see them play. Wanted to see the band play. A nice sentiment for the mother of a child who plays in a band. I just can't... What makes it occur to you instead of being like, she's in a snit about not inviting me to be like, she's butthurt. And also to up to this Ugh. point, they've only played in Steve's garage. So where where, where was she going to catch the, this show? Also, if that mom heard even five seconds of this band, she was pleased she didn't have to go to some <laughs> yeah. stupid concert. That said, Tony seems like a capable drummer. Oh, my issues were not with the drums. Yeah. <laughs> they were with the overall sound and vocals. Yeah. I do not like a thin voice. No. I, that, that we can say. Even the most professional and celebrated of thin voices really yes. kind of draws your ire. I don't know if they had the actress doing it herself uh-huh. or if they hired... If they hired a... Whoa. Okay. You know how in movies like Crybaby, like Johnny Depp, I don't think Johnny Depp was actually singing in Cry Baby. I know the lead actress was not. Uh-huh. They hire someone else. Sure. I think that's typically done in movies. It's like more common than having an actor sing unless they're really talented. Like in Jennifer yeah. Hudson, you're not like getting someone else. <laughs> yeah, but like, right. But like your average actor, you're not expecting them to also be a good singer. Sure, yeah. If I just, it just dawned on me that potentially that was not the actress 
and someone was paid to do that? I think there's one way to find out. But yes, you're right, it is startling. I've been less upset sometimes when I, like, stapled my own finger. (laughs) It's, like, less painful. Yeah. I did wake up this morning with one of the songs in my head. Oh, dear. Yeah. Should we talk about Under My Tree for ten minutes so that (laughs) gets stuck in your head again? Sure. Why not? All right, continuing on. Basically, Devin is attracted to Emily because he's confusing her for Alexis, the girl at the beginning of the movie from the bluff. His former girlfriend, almost fiance. Not almost. She was, it was a hard no for her. I mean, she did it gently, but it was a pass. It was a full pass. Mm -hmm. Um, She just didn't take the news gently. No. I want to note that Emily and Alexis look absolutely nothing alike. Yeah. Nothing. One of them is much paler. One of them has very large lips. Yes. The other does not. They don't dress alike. Mm -hmm. They don't like the same things. There's nothing in common. Mm -hmm. Which maybe is intentional because we see Devin's delusion at imagining, imagining Emily as Alexis. Yes. So... Emily teases him when he shows up for his first tutoring session for wearing a suit. But he goes to the bathroom and, of course, angrily berates himself in the mirror. You're so stupid, Kevin! (laughs) So stupid! Yeah. We do see that um, Steve, the guitarist, comes over towards the end of that tutoring session. And and he and Devin have a little exchange. Steve looks like he should be on a Disney show. Mm Mm-hmm. He's got that kind of young, swoopy blonde hair look about him. Yeah. The very, like, wholesome face. If you asked me based on the look of this band what they're playing, I'd be like, kids bop. Surf tunes. (laughs) I do kind of like when Steve talks to Emily about aspirations for the band and how they're going to tour the country and the world and you're going to be a star. And it's just amazing how he thinks that they are going to be top of the pops in no time. I guess you have to believe that to create anything. Mm -hmm. But I wonder sometimes if it's better to be honest with yourself so as not to be disappointed by where you do fall. Sure. Like, getting in this showcase is the best thing that's ever going to happen to your band. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen because you're about to get murdered. Yes. But but were you to play in it, that would be the height of your career. And that's fine. Yeah. It's more than you deserve. I've heard your music, and I described it as a crime worthy of a ripped-from-the-headlines <laughs> lifetime movie. Meanwhile... Carrie has this whole subplot about starting to date again. She's a widow. Yep. Oh, yeah, because we open on uh, her in the coffee shop on a date. Yes. And there's that, there's that creepy guy who starts talking about, like, I just want to mention these. It's like the rents, as the kids say these days, which I don't think the kids have said the rents since about 1997. I don't but... think the kids have ever said the rents. 
I remember reading them in like teen magazines. Okay, but like as a goof, that's not something, you know, sometimes you say something because it's a joke. Yeah. And I just want to note that she gets an app message, a dating app message from someone named JRock99. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That really stuck out. Uh, I hope that JRock99's first opener to her was ASL. Yeah, it sounded straight aim to me. <laughs> it sounded very aim. Also, 99. In what sense? Yeah. Because she's supposed to be like in her late 30s here, I'm assuming. I mean, she's got a, you know, 17-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. 99. Was he born in 99? Or is that the year he made his aim handle? <laughs> I don't know. I Maybe he likes an athlete who wears number 99. Unless Rock is your last name. And even still, if Rock is your last name, JRock99, the handle, yeah. is a left for me. Uh-huh. It's a left swipe. <laughs> I'm assuming that's the direction because I've never used a dating app. <laughs> Brag. <laughs> Just kidding. It's that I'm old and <laughs> we got together when dating apps were still in their nascence. Okay, so there's, you know, Emily's getting into all her hijinks. She's canceling tutoring for band practice. Yeah. And everything she wears is covered in fringe. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yes. So she skips tutoring and goes to band practice, and Devin lets the air out of her tires so that she gets in trouble for sneaking out with her mom. Mm-hmm. And Devin, to the next tutoring session, wears a band t-shirt for... Nick Vertigo or Seth something? Vertigo. Seth Vertigo. Yes. Well, I love the way he takes off the shirt he's wearing over it to reveal that he listens to the Vertigo or whatever Emily calls it. If it sounds anything like Emily's music, we <laughs> dodged a bullet by not having to hear it. Yeah. I know it's a made-up band, to be clear, but, you know, so was theirs, and it was odious <laughs> comes to mind. So he tries to get Emily's attention, but she's going on a date with Steve. Yeah. That's his name. And so Devin goes to the restaurant and poisons her drink and he, and she collapses and he waits until the waitress is calling the cops. And then he whispers to the waitress that he saw her date poison her. And then he plants drugs in Steve's car and flees. And when Steve gets arrested, Devin says, Adios, Steve. (laughs) So then Devin is trying to make things happen with Emily by saying he has an agent friend. So they go to her bedroom to record a demo and then they race back down to the kitchen so that her mom doesn't find out they were up in her bedroom together, which her mom would have been upset about. Yeah. And she runs her boot over his leg. Yeah. Like, footsie. Mm-hmm. And Steve is trying to prove his innocence while all this is happening. And Devin says he'll pay for the studio for her, but that the producer wants a more all-American look. Yeah. Like Alexis. <laughs> Although Alexis's quote-unquote all-American look was mainly, like, flannels and hiking. hiking boots. I don't think I would describe that as all-American. All I think of... Now, this is just me, but I think of Ralph Lauren that sort of thing as like quintessential American looks, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
like dressing in a way that you don't see people in other countries dress. Yeah. That's what I think of as more all-American. Hiking clothes are pretty interchangeable. Yeah. Cargo pants are not right i don't those don't don't those don't like jump to mind right like hiking boots don't come screaming you can hike on any continent (laughs) they go shopping for that look at some point yeah and he's basically costume designing her so she'll look more like m like alexis Alexis. yeah jeez and I just want to point out, when Emily's mom sees her in the all-American look, she says she looks nice, which made me look very, feel very sad for... Yeah. yeah. Like, she looks... She's dressed nothing like herself. She mm-hmm. looks very... It's, like, super boring, whatever they have her in. And her mom says she looks nice. And I was like, she's completely effaced her identity. And you're pleased about it? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't. I would be worried something was going on if a teenager made this much of a 180. Yeah, shedding her look as a young songstress. Yeah, like what? What prompted this? But anyways, while all this is happening, Steve finds out from the waitress that Devin was the one who claimed he drugged Emily. Yeah, and Ned, Devin's boss, finds out that Devin has been stealing chemicals, but. Devin blackmails him with the missing chemicals so he's not reported to the police. Mm -hmm. And Devin then chloroforms Steve and leaves his car in a running garage. And so he dies. Yeah. And Emily invites Devin to dinner with her mom. Like while she's mourning Steve. I mean, Devin shows up and is like, oh, sorry to hear that. And... Then Emily turns around and asks him to stay for dinner, and they eat spaghetti together. Yes. The start of all great love stories. (laughs) A plate of messy spaghetti. So Emily and Devin go on a date, and her mom's boyfriend catches them. Yeah. And I guess has been shown so many photos of a teenage girl he's never seen that he recognizes her. Yeah, because right on that first date... Carrie talking about her daughter and 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 comes right out with the photo. So, but they've never met, no, and he remembers met. her enough to recognize her Maybe. in public. Hmm. You didn't. That didn't seem yeah. like a stretch to you. Perhaps <laughs> someone is circling our block. That's why we keep pausing. <laughs> Someone's circling our block and just like staring. Maybe they're a super fan. I don't think they're a super fan. I think they're excited about the new house that's being built on the street. People are fascinated by that kind of thing, by the way. Mm. We get so many looky-loos on this block now. (laughs) I've never once been even remote. If someone told me five minutes away there was a new home going up from scratch, my response would be, okay. What if somebody told you there was a new home and there was a couple talking about bad tutor on the same block? Yeah, I might be making a might be making a trip. I want to find that clever, forward-thinking, fun couple <laughs> and talk to them. Anyways, so the mom has found out that Devin is on a date with her daughter, and in just spectacularly unlifetime fashion, she actually doesn't like that. Yeah, and has a reaction to it. So she. Kicks him off her property and says he's fired, even though Emily is 18. 
Yeah. She says it's not appropriate, which it's not. And Devin convinces Emily to run away with him to L.A. to meet this agent. agent. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he comes out carrying a hard side handheld suitcase. No joke. It's straight from the 60s. And I know that because my great aunt <laughs> and my grandmother each had sets of this that they traveled with that were from the 60s. My aunt had them in red. And my grandmother had them in baby blue. And I'm not kidding. It's the same suitcase. It's one of those. But they're so no one has them anymore because why would you carry a an overnight suitcase when you could put something on rollers? Sure. So he's carrying this handheld suitcase straight for a flight on TWA. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's where are you going? So. He proceeds to, while they're running away, give her hiking shoes and the outfit that Alexis wore on their last hike. And he wants to go to his quote unquote favorite spot. And he wants her to put up her hair in a ponytail because Alexis's hair was in a ponytail. And he says he loves her. Now, my question is... That was quick. If Yes, (laughs) extremely quick. Too quick even for a high school student and she knows better. But my question is, would you be trying... So I guess he's trying to rewrite the memory in his brain of being refused Alexis's hand in marriage and just, by having her yeah. dress exactly the uh-huh. same and be in the same location. Yep. Because my thought is, if you've had a trauma, not the trauma of her death, because he's clearly a monster, yeah. but the trauma of being refused mm-hmm. her hand in marriage, my thought is, like, you wouldn't want those things. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't want her to look exactly like her and be in the same place. You wouldn't propose in the same spot. I wouldn't. But again, I also wouldn't kill someone for saying no to me. So, you know, we are not Devin. Yeah. We are not. So the mom breaks into Devin's house and finds articles about Alexis falling. Good investigative work, Vanessa Marcel. Why he has articles about Alexis when he's trying to pretend like Alexis didn't die because Alexis is Emily Mm -hmm. is a little beyond me. But he also... Oh, it's the mom and the boyfriend. And the boyfriend finds a parking pass for this bluff, which is where he killed Alexis. And... So the mom panics and they're going to save her. Meanwhile, Devin gets mad at Emily when she takes her hair out of the ponytail. Yeah. And she also wasn't keen to hike. And he was annoyed with her about that because she loved hiking. And he proposes to her and she's panicking and saying, like, it's too soon. And he says, you can't do this to me again. Yeah. And Devin cradles Mm -hmm. a crying Emily from behind and... Except she's crying because she's scared. Yes. I mean, yeah. Why else would she be crying? Yeah. Tears of joy for being proposed (laughs) to by a guy she's been on one date with. Yeah. Who basically kidnapped her. I mean, I guess she's 18, so we don't call it kidnapping, but who basically absconded with her, you know, (laughs) and... Made up. I mean, I think she's realizing that this agent doesn't exist and yeah. this whole plan is just a ruse. So, yeah, there's a lot to cry about. So, Vanessa Marcel's boyfriend knows a shortcut and he comes running to help. 
and Devin hits him with a rock and Emily slips over the cliff, but calls for Devin and he pulls her back up. Yeah. And then once he pulls her back up, both her mom's boyfriend and the mom arrive and they kind of get into a confrontation and Devin is like, she means everything to me. If I can't have her, no one can. (laughs) And then just all of a sudden, Emily whacks him with a stick. Yeah. Like it's a pretty, pretty nice swing. I think uh, if she were playing baseball, it'd be a nice line drive. Uh, And Devin falls and he falls off of the cliff, but nobody sees where he lands. And then she's reunited with her mom and, her mom's boyfriend and they we see a, a happy scene of them in the in the future and then we cut to i think it's like six months later or something probably and we're in seattle and we see a college campus where devin bumps into a young woman who is like on her way to chemistry class yes. and he starts talking about how he studies chemistry, he's majoring in it or something, and he can be a tutor, and he envisions her with the same flannel that Alexis had and that he made Emily wear. And so clearly that fall off of the cliff did not do much to stop him uh, from, one, staying alive, and two, uh, going after uh, another woman and trying to uh, recreate this flannel shirt hiking scene. I do appreciate that Jeff Hare left the door open to a sequel. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they were doing. Yeah. You know, bad tutor too. (laughs) (laughs) What would the after the colon be? (laughs) Something about chemistry? When I tell you the real title for this movie, you're going to be surprised. Anyways. um, Does it have... Something about stoichiometry or covalent bonds? Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do well in chemistry. I think I did better in physics because I'm good at math. Stereotypes busted. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that he left the door open to a sequel because, you know, in the Hariverse, mm-hmm. there are some pretty solid sequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought, what were your general takes? I thought this movie was started well, and there were some slow bits, and Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know why the boyfriend was necessary, aside from giving us the glory that BJ Rock, 99. (laughs) Oh, the mom's boyfriend. Yes. Yes. I I guess there's a reason for Steve. Yeah, I mean, how else is band going to have its guitarist and its lead creative driving force? Yeah. I would like to edit my way around this whole this whole band scenario. Can't we have her be a painter? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's cheaper. Yeah. You don't have to hire all those extras. Maybe she's going to have a show at a gallery. Also, I felt like... Yeah, I felt like the romance with Steve was rushed. They went on... First of all, like, when he saw Devin making eyes at her, he was like, yeah, she's pretty hot or whatever. Like, yeah. unconcerned that some 26-year-old who is in a professional capacity with her is interested in her. Mm-hmm. And then days, I mean, genuinely days later, because we're building up to this showcase. It was weeks to the showcase, so we haven't reached the showcase. It must be days. He's telling her she's his best friend and he loves her. Yeah. That was... 
what is it about Emily? Everyone loves Emily. Mm-hmm. She's got the voice. She's got those golden pipes, Liz. It's, it's the fringe. <laughs> and the boho chic Nothing way about her. The fastest way to a man's heart is through fringe. I <laughs> <They> love it. <laughs> All the dangly strings. Just fascinating to men. They're like cats. They like, you know, something to like claw. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um... You know what I really liked? I liked Ned, Devin's boss, because he clearly held Devin in all sorts of contempt. Although, why did he never fire him? He did fire him. Well, he did, but he clearly knew that Devin was stealing stuff. Did he? Before he fired him? I think so. I mean, he confronted him with the fact that things had been missing. Maybe. I think, I mean, you can, labor law is probably why you didn't fire him. You have to have cause to terminate someone i guess so be sued. but just when, you? when they call up the lab Again, later I, on i pull out these lawyer things where it's like what is she talking about when when the mom calls up the lab later on and and he says he's a pathological liar and a thief i wouldn't trust him as far as i could throw him which is just a favorite expression of mine but i, I thought that was great and you know based on what we've seen in this movie humans can throw humans pretty far yes so <laughs> it's not the best expression especially either. devin yes devin is Quite capable of throwing people far distances <laughs> yes. to their death. You know, I mean, I guess after the opening scene being so dramatic, you really would have to keep it on 10 for it to to keep up with that, I guess. Yes, yeah, for sure. And that's 10 is tough to sustain. Yeah. All right, so I had... Trivia time? I had trivia this week. This movie was also known as Killer Desire, A Teacher's Obsession. Which is incorrect. Yeah, he's not he's a teacher. He's not her teacher. He's not a teacher. It should be Killer Desire, a tutor's obsession, yeah, if anything. Clearly. Anyways, the tagline. Can you guess what the tagline was? Something about bad chemistry. Close. Except the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Good chemistry is a lesson in explosions. Which you never would have guessed because there are no explosions in the movie. There's chemistry, but there are no explosions. Yeah, he's not dropping sodium into water or anything like that. No. I read that and I was like, ooh, that's a a catchy tagline. And then I was like, that makes no sense. Which might actually be the perfect kind of tagline for a Lifetime movie. Because anytime you watch one and you scratch the surface even a little, you're like, None of it holds together. Like, if you pull even a single thread, all of them fall apart before your eyes. Like the fringe on Emily's jackets. Like the fringe. So, Brian Dick, the co-writer of this, also wrote Psycho Wedding Crasher. Yes. Manny Dearest. (laughs) And The Stranger She Brought Home. Ooh. Which we recently watched. Yes. Okay. Ms. Ayers was played by Jean St. James. Oh, that was the tutor, the older tutor, right? Yes. Who, now I'm going to tell you, this person has been in a comedy that was nominated for Emmys five years ago and about 15 to 20 years ago. Who is she the mom of? I'll give you further clues. 
He's tall and lanky. And he was bookish in the one that was 15 years ago. And that basically gives it away. He. Because that's not a common archetype from (laughs) shows. Bookish, tall. Oh. um, No. Think cult comedy. Not the Big Bang Theory. No, like 15 years ago. Okay. Think cult comedy. Okay. Um, It's the type of comedy that they do lots of clickbait articles about where are they now because many of the people in it are famous. Mm. And the director or creator or whatever of it went on to be a very, very successful creator, director, whatever of comedy movies. Okay. Oh, Freaks and Geeks? Yeah. So which character? Oh, of um, Martin Starr? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's Martin Starr's mom. Oh. If you wonder if there's nepotism in Hollywood, our trivia alone should prove that there (laughs) is. So Charles William Hittinger, who played Devin. Yeah. Also played Matt, the son of Ian Ziering's character in Sharknado. Yes! And in the last Sharknado, it's about time. (laughs) (laughs) He was also in Stalked at 17. Yes, that's what I remember. I believe he was credited as as Chuck Hittinger in that film. Yes, he dropped one of his names. Potentially for the best. I'm not sure he's a Jason Shane level. Mm, Probably not. But his monologues are... You know, he's got something to them. No, I felt like he did a good seething rage. Yeah. No, I think he did a good job in this. I guess we just haven't seen him enough to know if he has the consistency of a Jason Shane Scott. Yeah. Jason Shane Scott. <laughs> when are we going to get back to his movies? Okay, Vanessa Marcel. Kelly, who we've been calling Oh, is Carrie? <laughs> Why did I write her down as Carrie? Who cares? Who carries? <laughs> She's named whatever, and you, you'll never see this movie, so it won't matter. Fact check us all you want. <laughs> she was on Beverly Hills 90210 as Gina Kincaid, who replaced Tiffany Thiessen as the show's vixen. Oh. She met Brian Austin Green on the show, and the two had a son together. Really? Yes. She was also married to Corey Feldman. Whoa. Okay. Again. No fact-checking went into this. Do not come after us if this is incorrect. This is from IMDb. Cursory Google search. Not even Google search. I basically just go to IMDb and see if anyone (laughs) wrote their own trivia. And sometimes they do. And they include doozies like this. So on the Today Show, she said that she is the great-granddaughter of a famous French performer who do you think is the french performer marcel marceau yes. what, <laughs> what i thought that? i was gonna have to mime being in a box <laughs> for matt to get it but i didn't have to do anything well you said performer so i said performer and i was thinking like oh like french performers like maurice chevalier or but you uh, didn't like even a- think like Technically, like, someone like Brigitte Bardot. It's Brigitte, not Bridget, right? Oh, yeah, but you said him. Oh. 
So I did. <laughs> Narrowing it down. That was a shocking... Shocking guess, Matt, but well done. Yes, so she claims she's Marcel Marceau's great-granddaughter. Again, nepotism. Yeah. Hollywood, you mm-hmm. can't get in without a great-grandfather who's the ninth governor of Louisiana <laughs> or Marcel Marceau. My great-grandfathers were nobodies, so we'll never be famous. <laughs> and having done your genealogical charts, I believe yours were... Basically, nobody's to <laughs> all due respect given that they were not famous. Yes, that is true. Not even famous in France. How dare they? <laughs> Isn't that the greatest tragedy, everyone? I married someone who doesn't even have relatives that were famous in France. <laughs> Sounds like I'm saying horrible things about France. I love France, so <laughs> take no offense. Our one listener in France. It's a shame my, you know, forebears' fame did not extend from Italy to yes. France. Yes, I mean, they were Italians. They were so, so close. They should have been famous in Italy, if anything. <laughs> I probably had a better chance of having relatives who were famous in France because I think I'm partially French by way of Canada. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> I like to include both, you know? <laughs> Claim both of them. Your sixth cousin wrote Degrassi High. Oh, I'd love it. (laughs) Cast me as like the kooky, you know, English teacher who writes with a Twizzler or something. (laughs) I'll do it. I mean, I'd be horrible at acting. I don't, I don't like being on stage. No, you don't. I don't like crowds of people and I have a horrible memory. So I, I don't have any of the qualifications I would think would help. Never pretend to be anyone other than myself. (laughs) Never have. Make no apologies for that. (laughs) Are you listening, casting agents? I I don't think I'd be good at it at all, but I think I could maybe pull off kooky English teacher who uses a Twizzler for a pen. I think you could. Now I wish I had a friend who was a casting agent in LA. (laughs) Oh, I would have no interest and I'd be so bad at it. (laughs) And unlike Emily, I would be willing to admit to myself I was bad at it. And I'd probably fire myself from the set. They'd get (laughs) on set and I'd be like, is it worse to spend the amount on the production that we're spending today or to call anyone else? (laughs) And I'd probably quit. And that that end up being really bad because I think that production on anything is very expensive. Yeah. Waste of shoot day. Waste of shoot day. Can't have that. So I guess I've thrown my hat into the ring. And withdrawn? Withdrawn it. <laughs> Hopefully you got something at Crest Services on your way out. I'll take a Twizzler. We'll take the <laughs> Twizzler I was ready with for the road. <laughs> okay. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at husbandwifetime or on Instagram at husband and wife time. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.